Billy Graham said, true greatness is not measured by the headlines a person commands or the wealth he or she accumulates. The inner character of a person is the true measure of lasting greatness. Today, we're talking about the importance of character in our leadership. You're listening to the Leadership Lessons Podcast, hosted by Pastor Daniel Williams, a podcast to encourage and equip church leaders. Brought to you by eeleaders.com. Well, welcome back, everyone, to the Leadership Lessons Podcast. It is so good to have you here with me. Uh, If you find these leadership lessons helpful to you, would you mind sharing it with other people? Let's build this community. Uh, One of the ways that we can do this is if you go on your Google uh, Play or iTunes store and leave a review, it will help actually discover more people can discover the podcast. And this is a ministry of eeleaders.com. It's a resource I created for church leaders to encourage and equip them uh, to be able to continue to be encouraged in the work that God has called them to and equip them as best as I can in leading in God's church. I appreciate you all, your faithfulness in serving Jesus and his bride, and I'm just blessed that you're listening, a part of this community, and want to continue to serve by giving you God's word and teaching you some leadership lessons from the book of Nehemiah. Well, today I want to focus on a little detail found at the end of chapter one. Yes, we are finally going to finish chapter one. It only took six episodes. Uh, And this detail is found in verse 11, and it's the very end of this chapter. It says, Nehemiah says, now I was a cupbearer to the king. That's it. I was a cupbearer to the king. I think this little detail about Nehemiah can give us some real encouragement today and show us the importance of character when it comes to our leadership and being used by God. Now, a cupbearer, this is a guy that uh, eats the food before the king does. Why, you may say? Well, so the king doesn't die. So you can imagine the pressure that Nehemiah had as a cupbearer on a daily basis. Uh, the pressure of, man, is this food going to kill me? Going to make me sick? Could there be poison in there? Uh, he was someone that was, um, in a sense, able to be disposed but someone that you didn't want to be disposed, right? Uh, Because he would actually test the food for the king. Uh, In fact, we already know that Nehemiah was a Jew, uh, being the son of uh, um, Havakalea, and he was brought into a foreign land and put in this position of a servant, a slave, um, an employee, disposable employee, I guess you can say. But even in this low position, God would use him in a great way. And in fact, Nehemiah's name literally means comfort. Uh, He comforts. Uh, And this is just like God to use people to comfort others. God uses weak and imperfect people. Nehemiah, in a sense, being a cupbearer, being a a Jewish servant, uh, was a weak, imperfect person. But yet God is going to use Nehemiah to do this great work. And God still uses weak people. Paul taught this in the New Testament, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8 through 10. Paul would uh, say this, three times I plead with the Lord about this, um, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my in for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness, Paul says, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and commalities. For when I am weak, I am strong. Many of us get discouraged because we feel like we're weak, we're imperfect, we're not in a position of leadership or 
not where we want to be. And and Paul would even say, hey, I had this thing, this problem, this struggle that I dealt with. I wanted to have God take it away. And finally, God said, listen, my grace is sufficient for you in your weakness. I am strong. And I want to remind you in your weakness, God can be strong. I hope you've learned this lesson as well, that God wants to use you despite you. Right. Uh, And in this first chapter, we don't see Nehemiah as this great leader. He's a lowly cupbearer. I love how God chooses differently than the world chooses, how the world would pick and raise up leaders. Nehemiah wasn't a priest like Ezra. He wasn't a prophet like Malachi. He was just a normal person and so much so that he had to serve as a servant, as a cupbearer. And in 1 Samuel 16, verse 7, the Lord told Samuel when choosing David to be king, for the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. God still chooses differently than what we would choose or the world would choose. We need to understand what he chooses and value that. And today I want to talk to you about how God chooses character over charisma, character over charisma. This title of a cupbearer tells us a lot. So a cupbearer would test the food for poison and this role would have some great benefits. It was a job that brought wealth and influence, and it was given only to uh, only whom the king would trust. You see, if you were a cupbearer, you had this great skill of not just tasting food, but you had this great skill uh, of trust, of character. The king had to trust you because if the character was bad in you, you would lie and then the king would die. And so although this was a disposable position, it was one that you had to have the trait of trust and character. Although Nehemiah served in a foreign kingdom, he still had character, and this was valuable. No matter where God puts you or where you think you should be, character will always be valuable to your life and to your leadership. The king would have to trust Nehemiah enough to eat after him and trust him with his life. Well, this would be a strange sort of intimacy between the two, right? Uh, Just being around the king all the time and each other and having this trust and relationship. Nehemiah could die at any time, yet the king trusted him. It's sort of a weird thing. Many other officers would want to give the king advice just to please him or to promote him. But reality is the cupbearer didn't really get tempted with that. His main concern was I wanted to survive. Another reason why the king would try to trust him. He wasn't trying to take the position of a king. He was just trying to live. He was a servant. And so oftentimes, it wasn't the high-ranking officials in the land that would give influence and advice so much as the influence of a cupbearer. This friendship, this trust would grow between a king and a cupbearer, and we see this between Nehemiah and King Artaxerxes. And so oftentimes, the cupbearer would be in relationship with the king because of his character, and this trusted servant would make an influence or a difference through his faithfulness. And so I want to highlight two simple things we can learn from the fact that Nehemiah was being a cupbearer that we can learn today in our leadership that matters. Okay. Two things. One, your character matters. One, your character matters. Two, you don't need a title to lead. You don't need a a title to lead. Let's look at those a little bit in depth uh, as we think about Nehemiah as the cupbearer and how it applies to our life. Character is often said to be who you are when no one is looking. 
Uh, Joyce Meyer said characters expressed through our behavior patterns or natural responses to things. This is so true because daily decisions become habits. Habits become character. Character is who you are and that really determines your destiny. Now, the Bible tells us that character is important. It does matter. Proverbs 20 verse 7 says, The righteous who walk uh, walks in, in his integrity, blessed are his children after him. Uh, we're blessed and our family is blessed when we have integrity, when we walk in righteousness. Titus 2 7 says, Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works. And he's speaking specifically to leaders and believers and Christians. See, living a godly and holy life matter to God, and he tells us that character matters. These are the people he chooses to lead and to have great impact. Example of this is church leadership. As many of us are serving as elders, pastors, deacons, people in uh, leadership of the church, God gives requirements and most of those requirements are about character. First Timothy chapter three describes this. First uh, Titus chapter one, verse seven through nine. It says this for an overseer as God's stewards must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-control, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firm to the trust uh, worthy word is taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. Now, why do I bring this up? Because the world often thinks to be a great leader, you have to have charisma or competency, gifting, But I want to remind you that God chooses character over competency. He chooses character over charisma. It's never mentioned once in Nehemiah how charming he was or his great personality that he had, this charismatic gift, right? This charismatic person that just takes up the room. It never says that. Actually, a cupbearer would try to be silent, stay out of it, be very humble. But we do know that through this role of being a cupbearer, He did have great character. You see, over and over again, it is proven that great leaders, well, they have great character. And the first example of this is Nehemiah was a cupbearer. The king trusted him with his life. The great and legendary basketball coach John Wooden said this, Be more concerned with your character than your reputation, because your character is what you really are, while your reputation is really merely what others think of you. Now, we live in an Instagram society where we are constantly trying to impress people, showing people our best, not necessarily lying, but not all of our true selves at times, right? And yet God wants us living for him, not man, to walk in integrity and to walk with him, not just trying to impress men with our reputation. Proverbs 29, 25 says the fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. We need to have different standards and measurements of what success is compared to the world standards. We need to remind ourselves as church leaders that faithfulness matters. Kindness matters. Patience, joy, love. These are all valuable things in the kingdom of God. And there are requirements for godly leaders, for character. We don't just look to giftings, our competency, our charisma. Too often in the church, we value charisma, giftings over character. But man, being a speaker or being uh, highly organized, even speaking in tongues doesn't mean that you're mature. This is why the book of Corinthians, Paul addressed this fact. He said, you can do all this stuff, 
But if you not have love, it's really worthless without character, without true things that God cares about, like loving people. We're going to fail and fall if we just rely on our giftings and not what God wants. We need to look at the biblical standard and remind ourselves what the spirit values. Proverbs 31 30 says, charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. I want to encourage you to keep working on your character daily. It will make you a great leader. This is why it's so important to spend time with God to develop your character in and through him. Uh, 2 Corinthians 3.18 tells us that as we behold God's beauty, we become like him. Galatians 5.22 and 23 says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You know, Abraham Lincoln said, character is like a tree and reputation like a shadow. The shadow is what we think of. Uh, Think of it. The tree is the real thing. You know, it makes me think of Psalm 1 when David starts the Psalms. He says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seats of scoffers, but his delight is the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its seasons, and its leaves does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. Keep working on the real thing which takes time, your character, your walk with Jesus. Build it. Understand it. We see Nehemiah being a cupbearer and God used him because he had character. God will use you if you have good character. And that just takes time. And don't get discouraged in that. Well, that's the first thing that we see from this principle of Nehemiah being a cupbearer, that God values character. Uh, the second thing is this, which I think is very encouraging. We don't need a title to lead. You don't need a title to lead, right? When you have character, God will raise you up, not give you a certain position. Nehemiah was a cupbearer, but is about to lead an amazing uh, rebuilding project. Why? Not because of a title or his position. A cupbearer was not skilled or qualified to do that. It was because God honors character and was going to use Nehemiah because he could trust Nehemiah. Listen, I know... um, I don't know what your title is at your church. Uh, You may not even have a title, but I know that God can use you. We all uh, have experienced it, right? You're just seeing um, a a person uh, leading you with a title doesn't mean that they're a good leader. Uh, Many people have experienced this in their job, in their workplace, and sadly, even in the church. Just because you have a title doesn't mean you're a great leader. And what makes a great leader is one that's following God and displaying his love and wisdom. And We can all do that. We can all abide in Christ and have the fruit of the Spirit and love and ask God for wisdom and to help uh, help um, him to ask him for help when doing the things that he cares about. You see, the world values position, popularity, personality, but God, he promotes the person with their character. First Chronicles 16, 9 says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro through the whole earth to give support to those who heart is blameless towards the Lord. God uses people that are after his heart. And in this first chapter, this is what we see in Nehemiah. There's nothing mentioned about his skill set, even his great personality. He had no position, but he had character and was a person that was taught by God himself. Remember, he had this broken heart to solve a problem. And he told the Lord in prayer, use me, use me, God. 
He wanted to be used by God. He didn't want a position. He wasn't seeking a position. My prayer for you is that you will submit your life to God for his glory, that you aren't just chasing after a position or a title. You're doing something better. You're going after God's glory. I'm, I'm, I'm not so worried about your skills, your personality type, your gifted, uh, giftedness, um, but your heart. When you surrender to God and desire to please him, he can use your life in great ways, in great ways. Uh, I love what John Wesley said about just passion, zeal, and being used by God. He said, give me 100 preachers who fear nothing but sin and desire nothing but God. And I care not a straw, whether they are clergymen or laymen, such alone will shake the gates of hell and set up the kingdom of heaven on earth. Listen, let's be a community that is passionately pursuing Jesus, God's kingdom, seeking him first. It will make a huge difference in our world. Like Billy Graham said, true greatness is not measured by the headlines of a person commands or the wealth he or she accumulates. The inner person Uh, The inner character of a person is the true measure of lasting greatness. If you want to be a great leader, you need to have character. And this is what Nehemiah will become, a great leader because of his great character. And so I would say to you, if you want to become a great leader, ask this question. How's my character? How are you using this moment to plant seeds of faith? Do you have people, mentors in your life to help develop your character? And what spiritual formations do you need to grow in? Be honest with yourself. Pray about it. Ask God, God, develop my character. What do I need to work on? This is why I'm doing the podcast, to grow my leadership, my character, and yours. I honestly don't know who's listening to this podcast at times, but I do know that God has called me to pour into leaders, and I want to do my best to be faithful and develop my character. And even though no one may be listening which I hope you are listening and you're an encouragement to me. But even if no one listens, these Bible studies are good for me to grow in, to communicate and to talk through and pray through so that I can develop my character. And I know as I do that for those that are listening, whether it be five or 500, uh, man, they'll develop as well. So oftentimes we focus so much on competency, but please understand that character is way more important. Be encouraged today, no matter what position you have, because you can be used by God when you have character. And so may uh, you continue to develop your character today. Join us for a conversation with Pastor Daniel and his dad, Pastor Joe Williams, as they share a pastoral perspective on the book of Nehemiah. Well, hey everyone, we're back at it again, and we're looking at the subject of character and getting trying to get perspective from these questions. Thank you so much, Pastor Joe Williams. 40 years of experience and you're just sharing from your heart. You don't even know the questions coming to you. But hey, you got some character and integrity we got to learn from. And so uh, we're talking about that today because in verse 11, it says that Nehemiah was a cupbearer. Uh, a cupbearer had good character. He, uh, the king trusted him with his life. He had some integrity. And so uh, because of that character, God called him to do this good work. And he was used by God in great ways. How important is character when it comes to godly leadership and being used by God? Well, character is very important. Uh 
I would prefer character over charisma any day of the week because character is who you are and people are really watching as you're a leader. Uh, you are a leader, so people are watching your character. Character is very important. It says who you are. Um, yeah, mistakes can shape your character. Uh, you know, no one has the perfect character. Of course, we all fall, but we learn from those mistakes uh, and we grow from them. And we try to be the best example to the flock as we can. But character comes through time, uh, sometimes through failures, sometimes through mistakes. But God is still building you all the time. He's not going to throw you to the curb just because you make a mistake. Everybody has made mistakes, and there are no perfect leaders. We all fall short in some areas. However, God is still shaping and molding us in the process. And what I do, I, sh I share my mistakes with people. I let people know that uh, God is not looking for a perfection. God is just looking for a person with the right heart that wants to serve, and God can use that person. So, you know, some people have very charismatic uh, characters. Other people don't. But you have to be who God has made you to be. You can learn from other people, but... You have your own experiences, and God is shaping you in a total different way maybe than he is anybody else. So don't compare yourself with other people. Be who God made you to be, you know, and God can use you with your character, with your personality. But it is very important as a leader that we really, you know, with the help of the Holy Spirit, to try to have, the, have a godly character because we out front and people are watching us. Well, what do you think some godly characteristics are of a church leader? Obviously, we have Titus with the list, First uh, Timothy chapter three. Don't give me necessarily a list, but for you, what stands out uh, when you look for people that you want to serve with? What are some characteristics that you look and say, "Man, I, I want to go after those. That's some good character. I want to, I want to choose those." characteristics in people's lives yeah you know people got to have a servant's heart you know you, you look for people who have a servant heart and people that's coming to church on a regular basis and willing to serve and willing to do what you ask them to do i've had some people come to the church and all they want to do is teach they said well you know i can't you know god didn't call me to clean the bathroom or god didn't call me to pick up cigarette butts or god didn't call me to clean the toilets it's like they're above that. I don't like that because I think if you're a leader, you got to set the example. And I think if you're willing to serve and do whatever you see the need is, that says a lot about your character and who you are. I've, I've had people come in that great musicians, um, and they, but their character was really, really off. It was really weak, and they did things that I didn't think was godly. So I didn't let them use, I didn't let them lead worship. So you have to really, as a, as a leader, you have to really try to put your best foot forward. And I know we're not perfect, but we try. And I think we have to admit too when we make mistakes, because people know it anyway, they see it. To be transparent. I mean, if you want to have a good char character, just be transparent and be who you are. Because if you try to be somebody else, um, People are going to notice that. They're going to see that. Uh, it took me years to find that out. I didn't have to be another Chuck Smith. I didn't have to be another 
John MacArthur or anybody else. God has made you, your character, to be who you are. And he wants to use you the way he's made you, your personality. So you don't have to try to measure up. You haven't got to try to compare yourself to anybody else. No, be who God has made you to be. And don't try to uh, be like anybody else. Just be yourself. Now, one thing you did mention was uh, that you share your mistakes, your failures. And they say that failure is a great teacher. Yes. You could, you could learn from your mistakes. We're all not perfect. We all need to grow. We make mistakes and mature. But how did some of your failures develop your character? And what I'm looking for are some stories. What do you share? What did you learn from your mistakes? Because it's one thing to fail, but it's another thing to learn from your failures. So what are some stories or ways that you've maybe failed over the years that actually helped build your character? And we can look to failure as something of a as a teacher you know sometimes people can really uh, give you good advice and i feel really to listen to a lot of them sometimes because i didn't think that they were what they were telling me were right on so you know i failed to listen to the advice and it was good advice but uh, i didn't listen to them and you know and, and i've also uh, made a mistake really a mistake by putting people in positions too quick without really knowing them. Um, you know, laying hands on people too suddenly and putting people in the wrong places. I made a mistake by doing that. If you put the, the wrong people in the wrong places, you're gonna automatically have problems. Uh, so, you know, you learn, you grow. You know, you, you don't always get it right, but thank God for his grace and his mercy, he's forgiving. And uh, you move on and you try not to repeat the same mistakes over and over and over again. You learn from your mistakes. You grow from them. Um, you know, like Paul said, he forget those things behind and he move forward. So we have to move forward. We have to learn from our mistakes. How did you personally build character, build integrity into your life? Because a lot of people want character, but they have to realize it takes time. And some people just don't know how to build character how did you build character in your life how did you pursue these godly characteristics in your leadership I, I didn't really seek to build character I think situations circumstances uh, you know uh, part of life mistakes um, just over time made me who I am now uh, you know, I just think God allowed certain things to happen in my life to shape and mold my character. I didn't know it at the time, but as I look back, uh, it was, you know, hard at the time. But later on, I, f I found it, it was very beneficial and it brought forth a lot of fruit. So even in, if you make a mistake, God is still building you. God is still shaping you. God is still molding you. And, you know, um, I've learned probably more from my mistakes than anything else. And everybody's going to make them. Um, but we have to forgive ourselves because you know how the enemy works. When you make a mistake, he wants to make you feel like so guilty under so much condemnation. He wants you to quit, wants you to give up. But, hey, we all make them. Nobody's perfect here. We all are growing and we all are learning, and we will be learning to the day Jesus comes. It will never stop. You're always growing. Titus 2.7 talks about how you're to show yourselves all respects to be a model of good works. Mm. How do we as leaders model good works before people? Because 
obviously characters doing something when people don't see do a lot of things in secret how do we model good works and show um, people or teach about character and because the world is always about characteristics gifts charisma and the peripheral outside stuff but how do we teach people the deep inner working of the Holy Spirit and the importance of that you teach people by doing you know if I, I never ask people to do anything that I'm not willing to do myself uh, you know we have yard work on Saturday mornings uh, we have weed eaters, lawnmowers, and, you know, we have two acres of property and we have to k- keep it up, you know, and keep it looking nice. And I invite people to come out and, you know, for a couple of hours and do yard work. So I go out there with them and I, I work right alongside of them. And, you know, I have a weed eater, too. And I have a lawnmower, too. And I'm cutting grass just like they are. If I ask people to uh, vacuum the floor, they see me vacuum the floor, too. I have people clean the bathroom. They see me do the same thing. I want people to know that I'm not above anybody. And if I ask you to do something, I'm not too proud to do it myself. So I think we teach by example. We teach by example. Am I willing to do what I ask them to do? And if, that, and if, if they see me out there, then they think, wow, you know, he's, you know, he's just like we are. You know, he's human. Uh, he's just—he's not too proud to push a lawnmower. Or he's not too proud to clean the toilet or vacuum the floors, set up chairs or whatever it takes. But I think we lead by example, and people see that. And believe it or not, people are always watching, especially when you're a leader. I know we're not perfect, but um, when you're out front like that, people are watching you. They're watching you hard. They want to see: Do you have a a humble heart? you know, or a prideful heart. So we we lead by example, but I never ask people to do what I'm not willing to do myself. So who were some people that led you? Who were some godly leaders, uh, people like I know, like maybe Chuck Smith, Raul Reese, yeah. uh, whoever. Who were some people that led you and what were some things that you learned from them? Yeah, uh, you know, Raul Reese, I came out of his church. Explain who that is. I mean, maybe people don't know. Oh, Raul Reese is um, Calvary Chapel. Uh, right now, is in Diamond Bar. It was in West Covina when I was there. He was in West Covina. Then um, he sold that church and went to Golden Springs, California. Then he left that, sold that church to the state. Then he went to Diamond Bar. He's in Diamond Bar right now, but he was my mentor. I went to his church six years. I got saved in 1978 in Chuck Smith's church, and I went there for a year. Then Raul Reese started a church in West Covina. Then we started going to Raul Reese's church. But he, uh, he and his brother, Xavier, they one got me grounded in the word. They were the one that got me, uh, you know, street witnessing and going to prison ministries, jail ministries and stuff like that. Uh, but, you know, they would be out there, too. They would be witnessing, too. They would be, they would be out there cutting grass and doing yard work. And I said, wow, you know, these guys... They're doing the same thing they asked us to do. They're not too proud to do that. So, I, But they gave me uh, my uh, foundation. Uh, they discipled me. And uh, in 1982, uh, we left their church, Raul Reese's church, and we came to Washington State to start a Calvary Chapel since they didn't have a Calvary Chapel here. Raul and Chuck Smith was saying, you know, there's too many Calvary's in California. You guys get out of here and go someplace else. So we went to Washington State, 
And we started the Calvary Chapel here in 1982. We've been here almost 40 years now. What's a, maybe one story or thing that stands out to you with Raul Reese and his leadership and something you learned from him, whether it be still preaching with uh, a bomb in the building or bomb threats or uh, street witnessing with Lloyd Pooley in the streets and you know and interacting with demons? I mean, what, what are, what's one story that maybe you could share about uh, Raul Reese or someone you ministered to that, something you learned? What, what I learned about Raul Reese, he was very transparent. He was, you know, um, he would admit that if he made a mistake, he would he would go before the whole body. He would say, hey, that was a big mistake. I want to do that again, you know, and I liked his honesty. And his teaching to me was very simple. I guess that's why uh, my teaching, I, I try to make my teaching very simple and very practical. And he was always willing to to listen he was always willing to encourage. And he would always, um, you know, sometimes we would just talk in the parking lot, you know, just even before the church service started, he just, before the church service started, we would just go in the uh, parking lot, we would talk, and after the service, he would just, always so encouraging. So that really spoke to me, and he would always build us up in the faith and say, you know, one day God is going to use you guys. God is going to, he said, we have some pastors right now, some future pastors right now in this room, some future pastors. Well, I didn't think he was talking to me. I said, there's no way I'm going to be a pastor. No way. Well, here I am, 40 years, and God had different ideas because, you know, when I got the call to be a pastor, I, I ran three years because I wasn't going to come to Washington State. And I told God I wasn't going to come to Washington State, but... You don't tell God what you're not going to do. You know, I found that out the hard way. You know, you do what he tells you to do, and and uh, he'll use you. But I learned a lot from him, and he was just um, just so humble, the way he, he would talk. And, you know, I saw him, how he would be praying for people after the service, and I saw how he would hang around and talk to people. I'm thinking, man, that's... This is, uh, this is the church I want to be at. So I learned a lot from him. Now, many of us can hear that and get discouraged because maybe we don't have a relationship with our pastor or our mentor or someone, but I think that we can learn good works from other people as well. And for most of us, God has put another person in our life, a spouse, whether it be a wife or a husband, that we can learn from. Mm-hmm. What is maybe some godly characteristics you learned from your wife, my mama, Irene Williams, uh, over the years or maybe a story there? Because I think that we need to not only look to our leaders, but there's people in our lives, whether they be friends, spouses, community, that we can learn as well how to build our character. What What have you learned or what stands out to you from um, walking with someone for that long and seeing up close her life? What's something that, that stands out to you? Well, everything I went through, she went through, you know, when the pastor goes through problems and don't have discouragements or whatever, you know, it affects your wife too. And I just saw her steadfastness, how she continued to uh, to serve God in, in spite of the situation, how we felt, we still serve God, but she would always encourage me to just keep at it, you know, just keep at it. She was just, in, you know, sometimes people would leave, sometimes people would say things, you know, you know, you know, sometimes people would come to the church and they say, well, you know, God sent me to preach this Sunday. And I never seen those people in my life, but they would say, God sent me to preach. And I said, well, no, you're not. But my wife has said, hey, you know, uh, just keep teaching the word. 
because if you do, it is going to bring fruit. So, um, you know, there's many times I got discouraged. I said, you know, I don't know if this is this is really worth it. You know, I'm not making much money. Um, seems like people are not happy with me. It seems like my church is not growing. Seems like um, uh, maybe this is just not for me. It could be for somebody else. So, and she just encouraged me. Say, you know, just keep just keep at it. So, maybe you don't see the fruit in your church right away, and maybe you don't have a big church, but it still doesn't mean that your church is not successful. Just because people are not growing in in numbers, they could be growing in fruit. And that's what I look I look for fruit in people's lives. I'm not into numbers. You know, you can have a big church and have a ungodly church and you can have a small church and you can have a godly church. So, you know, you look at numbers and it can be dis- very discouraging. But my wife just said, just keep on teaching the word and those that want to hear the word will come and those that don't, then they won't. So that's well, so what we keep doing. We just, we haven't really changed that. We still do the same thing. We just pick a book and we go through it and and that's how we... Uh, we depend on the Holy Spirit to use the word to bring fruit in people's lives because we can't, we can't do it. We can't make people grow. But she just met somebody I could always go to and talk to, you know. So she's been very encouraging. Well, what encouragement to end do you have for leaders that are going through uh, maybe a hard time or a season of maturity? Everyone wants to grow. And so what would you, you know, just tell them and encourage them in, those people that desire to continue to grow and to continue to build their character, you got you know it takes time. You know, as they say, Rome wasn't built wasn't built in a day. You know, it, it takes time. It takes years. Um, it takes patience. Uh, God, God, God does everything in His own time, in His own way, and and no matter how you, no matter how you pray about that, you can't rush His timing. His timing is always perfect. So, uh, yeah, you. You just start out and no one really knows what's going to happen tomorrow. I mean, no one really knows what's going to happen next month. Even in your ministry, you don't know. All you're doing is just trying to be faithful, to continue to teach the word, and that's, that's all you can do. You can't really build a church. You have to trust Christ, but it takes patience Um it takes years. We've been doing it for 40 years, and I tell you, our church is still small. Our church is still, on a good Sunday, we might have 60 people. That's, that's a good Sunday. Now, the rest of the Sundays depend on the weather. Uh, if you have a good, a good sunshiny day, you know, we only have half the people come. So uh, God has told me not to look at that. Just not look at people who's not there. Look at people who are there and focus on them. So just keep doing it. Just keep doing it, but it's going to take time. It's going to take patience. God will take you through things that you can use old illustrations in your sermons. He teaches you things that you can teach others. But his ministry is not um, an overnight. Uh, it, it takes years and years and years. And if your church never gets any bigger, so be it. If you're faithful to 20 people or 30 people, so be it. If that's what God, God is, they say most churches in America is under 200 people. So just because you, and I've talked to so many pastors just because they have a small church, they think they, they'll fail you. Well, not, not really. You are faithful to what God has given you, those 30 people. 
So just do the best you can with what you got and dedicate it to Christ, and that's all he expects. Well, thanks so much for sharing your experience and character and for being a man of God with great integrity. Thank you for joining us for today's Leadership Lessons podcast. For more content, you can visit eeleaders.com and follow us on social media at eeleaders.